we are doing the Glimpsing the Glory of God podcast, and this episode is about the patience and kindness and faithfulness of God, and these are attributes which I can kind of get my head around, and so Jerry Bates, why don't you kick us off and tell us uh, what we need to know about these. Well, uh, for example, uh, the first two, uh, patience and kindness, are really intertwined with each other. (coughs) Excuse me, they... um, are really part of the goodness and love of God. The first two qualities that Paul gives us in the First Corinthians three, uh, when he's describing love, or love is patient, mm-hmm. love is kind. Every wedding you hear that. Yeah, and uh, probably that's not where it occurs. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I wish it did. That's what God wanted it to be. He wants us to see these attributes and emulate them. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's a uh, good marriage is one that is going to understand mm-hmm. that patience and kindness are the kind of undergird a successful marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, patience and kindness can be found as uh, some of the uh, qualities of the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. that Paul lists in Galatians uh, five twenty two through twenty three. Um, in fact, the fourth and the fifth qualities, you know, he says love, the spirit is, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, mm-hmm. kindness. Uh, actually, the next one is, I think, faithfulness, mm-hmm. um, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering. So There's a song this, I learned in church about that. Yeah, and which, is, which is a good reason why these are part of the communicable asset, uh, mm-hmm. attributes because, you know, they're listed as the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. But these two, the first two, patience and kindness, are really intertwined because, and this is really a a tremendous aspect about God, is he's not Mm -hmm. simply patient, but he is kind in his patience. In other words, it's a kind patience. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not that he's patiently gritting his teeth, but there's kindness in the patience that he's exercising. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really a very uh, unique characteristic of of him. Um, uh, Paul says in Romans two four, for example, he says Paul links them together like that. He says, "Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience?" And then he goes on to say, mm-hmm. "Not knowing that his his patience." Uh, is designed to lead you to repentance. In other words, mm-hmm. not he's saying not knowing that the kindness of God, you know, is is designed to lead you to repentance, because he his exercise of his patience is is one of kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's also saying when he says that, in other words, what's he mean? And that is he's he bears with the sinfulness of evil men. And he demonstrates his forbearance and long-suffering toward sinners in spite of everything he does for them. Mm-hmm. The mercy he shows them. You know, there's a general grace of God. Mm-hmm. There's a general mercy. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. And Jesus right. says that. In spite of that, they still sin against him and rebel against him. And yet he demonstrates this patient kindness. It's mm-hmm. really hard to uh, get a hold of in your own mind. Um uh, Peter, First Peter, First Peter three twenty talks about how the spirits now in prison, although disobedient in the days of Noah, were objects of God's patience hmm. when Noah was building the ark. 
uh, and the most significant aspect of it is that none of us would be here except for God's kindness and patience. Hmm. Um, you know, his wrath, we said, was his moral indignation against sin. Yep. Because um, sin is the opposite of love and goodness. Mm-hmm. But his wrath always moves to Slowly. eliminate sin. Yeah. Well, I just I remember in the other episodes we talked about how his wrath, you know, he's reluctant to wipe out Israel at times. And you're like, why does he share you know, with with the faithful about his desire. You know, here you got Moses on the mountaintop, and he's mm-hmm. about to come down off the mountain. And, and God says, you know, do you know what they're doing down there? And Moses intercedes on behalf of the people, and God spares him. And that reluctance of God to pour out his wrath. And, and you just see it, you know, in so many of the stories, whether it's his patience with the people of Nineveh, you know, where, where here people of Nineveh are sinning after, uh, so in, in some really horrific sins. And God is patient with them so much so he sends a prophet. He waits for that prophet to get there. The prophet delivers his message and he waits long enough for the people to return to him so that he can show his patience and his kindness. Yeah, interestingly enough, the, the prophet isn't particularly patient. <laughs> He's not. He's like, well, I'm ready for the wrath to fall. Yeah. And, and I think part of us feel that our society is not like Nineveh, but there are parts of our society and things we see. We're like, God, wh- where is your judgment? Do you not see what's going on? You know, why, why are you not acting right now? Well, it's interesting you say that because one of my daughters one time, I have a one of my daughters has a gift of discerning spirits, hmm. and uh, uh, the Lord talks to her. She's got a pretty good track record, hmm. and she was looking at, uh, uh, on the news media, she was looking at it, watching a gay parade that was the news media was covering in San mm-hmm. Francisco, and she just sort of like, I guess one might say sort of like Jonah, says, Lord, why do you put up with this? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you allow this to go on and not bring your judgment and your wrath on them? And God responded to her immediately and said, there's more than 10 righteous in San Francisco. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Man, I, I just think that whole patience, you know, as a dad, you know, I, I get frustrated by things like, haven't I shown you how to do this twice already this week? Or haven't I already answered the question of where we're going 14 times and that whole patience and kindness where even though God has already showed us something in the past, that he's willing to to speak it to us again and again, both through his scriptures and, and directly, is just incredibly kind. Well, and one of the reasons, and I think this is in Second Peter, <clears throat> because I just thought of it, but Second um, Peter, I believe, is in chapter 3, says that God is not willing that any perish. Right. And I know that I think it's in Psalms. Let's see, Second Peter um, three. Um, I believe that's right. But in the Psalms, for example, it says that He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Mm-hmm. He is not like us in the way we think about mm-hmm. that. And I think the fact that He's not willing that any perish, and He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, uh, is a reflection of His patience and kindness mm. uh, which flows out of the fact of his love and his goodness mm-hmm. uh, yeah I think that verse you're thinking of 2 Peter 3 9 okay. you know, the Lord yeah. is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness but is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance yeah now there's a there's a positive aspect to the death of the saint because it says precious in the sight of the Lord is mm-hmm. the death of his saints 
but even with the wicked, he doesn't take. It's a negative there. He doesn't, mm-hmm. but he doesn't take pleasure in their death. So, yeah, uh, we do well to understand how he sees these things uh, in in this tremendous patience that that he shows. Mm. Um, Romans three twenty five through uh, through twenty six talks about he uh, is forbearing. He passes over sins that have previously been committed. In other words, he's not saying he agrees with them or he justifies them, but he's has chosen to forbear exercising wrath hmm. to wipe them out when they happen in order that he might um, bring him in the plan of redemption and, and as it says in Romans, uh, reflect his justice mm-hmm. uh, by placing our sins on Christ and then justifies us uh, through faith. <clears throat> in fact, one of my favorite examples of it is the initial sin and transgression of Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, they immediately, when they sin, they immediately know they've done mm-hmm. something wrong. And when God says God is walking in the garden, they hide from him. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the indications that God is exercising this forbearance, this patient kindness um, and that he intends to forbear to wipe them out in order to redeem them. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's good English. <laughs> but yeah, he, he doesn't immediately respond to wrath when he, when sin is in the garden. Something right, else he, could have, he could have wiped them out. Mm-hmm. The indication that he is going to redeem them is his question. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Because he knew where they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would he ask that question? Because he has determined already that he is not going to destroy his creation. He's mm-hmm. going to redeem them. And so he asks, where are you? In order to deal with them. Also, to start the conversation. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think I think this is one of those that, that, you know, as parents, as we struggle with, you know, patience with drivers with our children i think it's one of those that uh, you know as god says many times if if he as he forgives us he wants us to forgive others Mm. i think as he is patient and kind with us and how many times each day we fall short of his standard of holiness and godliness uh, i think he wants us to take that that forgiveness and that patience and kindness that we've been shown and and freely give it to others in the way that they fall short with us. Yeah, and that's, we're supposed, we're reflections of who he is. Mm -hmm. And particularly in the area of these, what we call communicable attributes or Mm -hmm. moral attributes. So we therefore are able to display this sort of thing. So patience and kindness is something that we're expected to display in the same way that he did. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to the extent that he does, but certainly an aspect of it should be evident in us. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem today. There's so little of that yeah. shown in the church. And it, it, some of the, this is like, I think, can come off as indifference. You know, and I think that's important You know, to for people to talk about when we're dealing with you know, both the church, as we've got, you know, sin issues in the church that we're wrestling through with each other. And, you know, you're an elder here and I'm a pastor here. And, and there's sin issues that are, are, we've got all these people in process. And, and as we're trying to, like, help encourage them and exhort them, 
to lives of godliness, I think we need to also realize that God is patient with our sin and he's patient with our brother and sister's sin. Uh, there's that there's that passage that says, you know, before you go and help a brother remove the splinter, you know, out of his uh, situation, you need to remove the log out of your own eye. And I just think that's another place that, that we need to remember that God doesn't have a splinter, but we do have different sin areas. And that whenever we're feeling impatient and feel like we need to justify ourselves to uh, other people, I think this is a, a good place to go back to the fruit of the spirit of patience and kindness that you know God really does want to use us as instruments of his patience and kindness in the way that we interact with each other. Oh, yeah. um, the, uh, as I said, we're supposed to be reflecting what he, he does and the fact that we are impatient mm-hmm. uh, and lack impatience, let's put it this way, there is no kindness in impatience. <laughs> right. So you can't do that. You mm-hmm. can't be impatient and kind at the same time mm-hmm. because they're mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Whereas patience and kindness intertwined. Yeah. 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 And there's so many examples of this. You know, I've I've met many people who don't understand cultures different than theirs. And so they're they're like, why is it that this person is always late? You know, and they're like, well, there's different cultures run on different clocks and stuff. And why is it that that a music is this volume, or why is it that this person, you know, man, they're they're always, you know, uh, I remember t- I was joking with Jose the other day. Whenever I'm hanging out with Jose, he always wants to tell it to me in a story. And I'm like, Jose, I was just looking for a, a two word answer, and he turns it into a ten minute story. And and every time I hang out with Jose. And I love him, and I just realized that's part of how God made him. And I'm supposed yeah. to love that diversity in him and be patient with him um, and the differences uh, among us when it comes to those things. So talk a little bit about the faithfulness of God. Well, that's another attribute that of, of God that would be what we call the communicable attributes. In other words, that sort of thing can be to an extent evident in his his people but this particular attribute flows out of his immutability and we talked about immutability before in other words he's unchanging hmm. that doesn't mean he's inflexible it just means that uh, he is who he is and he never changes we're quite mutable uh, we, we are subject to change all the time but he is not uh, and again, I mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about patience and kindness in Galatians five twenty two and three, uh, faithfulness is is listed as one of the fruit of the spirit. Hmm. Um, but here's what's significant to that: because he's immutable, in other words, he never changes. Mm-hmm. But because he never changes, uh, he never goes back on his word. Hmm. He never goes back on a promise. Um, Numbers twenty three nineteen is one of my favorite uh, verses. God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man uh, that he should repent, meaning take it back. Hmm. Uh, has he not said and will he not do it? Or has he promised and will he not make it good? I mean, and so often the lesson that is interesting from the Old Testament patriarchs 
what they so often are having to learn, and Abraham is the classic example of it, is the faithfulness of God. Hmm. It takes him 25 years from the time he promises Isaac mm-hmm. to uh, to the time that Isaac comes to realize hmm. God says something, he's going to do it. Um, In his timing, but it will yeah, do it. Yeah. He's constantly trying to help God out, hmm. uh, including Hagar, which has now given us the problems we have now. But he had to learn, and Romans 4 talks about Abraham from the standpoint of Abraham having learned. Hmm. But he had to learn. Jacob had to learn. They had to learn that when God says something, hmm. God does it. Even Moses had to learn to an extent. Mm-hmm. God is immutable, and because he is, he's also faithful. Hmm. When he makes a promise, he keeps the promise. Um, one of the things that David learned was when he was under the pile and really down, a good example of that is when he and his men returned to find Ziklag burned. Mm, I remember that. And uh, their families had been taken. And the men, they wept for a day or so at the top of their voices. And then the men began to think about stoning David because they saw it as his fault. Mm-hmm. It probably was. What does it say David did? He strengthened himself. Mm-hmm. In the Lord. How did he do that? By calling down the promises of God that applied to him. Mm -hmm. Because God doesn't change. If God said to David, I'm putting you on the throne, Mm -hmm. he's putting him on the throne. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Uh, And so he had to go back and rehearse the promises of God uh, in order to strengthen himself. And I think that's the key, is as we recognize the faithfulness of God, and I think that's one of the reasons why we have all these Old Testament stories and New Testament stories is we can see time after time where God was moving behind the scenes with Joseph, behind the scenes with Daniel, behind the oh, scenes yeah. with David, behind the scenes with, with Jacob, a very flawed individual. Um, but he, he's working behind the scenes to show himself faithful to his people, even when his people are not faithful. And there are consequences. Some of his promises are conditional promises. Mm. And some of his promises are unconditional promises. And it's important to go and look at which they are because um, we don't want to hold God uh, to a standard that God didn't say. You know, if God says, if you obey my laws, this is going to happen. And if you don't obey, then this really bad thing is going to happen. Then, you know, we, we of course, say that God is faithful to the consequence of the action. Uh, but I think as we see his track record of complete faithfulness to his people, we should then be able to walk like David did and say, okay, if God is truly faithful and will never leave me and, and is for me, not against me, then that means I can go into this really tough situation and realize he is going to sustain me through it. I mean, there's some uh, people uh, you know, that are really struggling in their marriages and thinking, do I remain faithful to this promise of this marriage? And it's really not good right now. And... I think for for most of those situations, if if we will simply turn to God and say, you know, I made this promise before you, for better or worse, to stay with this woman, will you help me to be faithful like you're faithful? If we'll do that, uh, I think I think a lot of these marriages can turn around and, and get way better. Yeah, if they if they begin to recognize that they contain within themselves 
his spirit mm-hmm. and the quality. One of the qualities of his spirit is faithfulness. Uh, Psalm thirty-six five says that his faithfulness reaches to the skies. And mm. The psalmist is trying to get us to understand just the he's, <coughs> in a sense trying to quantify a <coughs> intangible. Hmm. But he's trying to get us to understand how terrifically, how great God's faithfulness is. And one of my favorite verses is Second Timothy 2.13. Though we are not faithful, hmm. yet he remains faithful. Why? Because he can't deny himself. Hmm. In other words, God is omnipotent. But there are some things that are impossible for him. Mm-hmm. One of them is, to, uh, and primarily what's impossible for him, is to be different than who he is. Mm. In other words, that goes back to the immutability. He cannot be other than what he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Titus 1-2 says he cannot lie. Mm. In other words, it's it's not that he could, he just doesn't. No, no, Titus 1-2 is saying he can't mm-hmm. lie. That's not possible for him to lie. Because it wouldn't be in his character. Yeah, he, he would deny himself, and that that's impossible. He cannot deny himself. He mm. cannot be other than what he is, and what he is is faithful. Uh, in fact, uh, Hudson Taylor says the way we exercise faith, actually, mm-hmm. uh, is we hang on to the faithfulness of God. Mm. That's the way we exercise faith is by hanging on to the faithfulness of God. I don't understand this. I don't see why this is happening the way it is, but I do know one thing. God is faithful. So it's, there's some sort of commitment. There's some sort of part we play in the process of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, but there's some part we play where we, through our, how, how would you describe it? Like, how does the fruit of the Spirit, how do we latch onto that fruit to, you know, is it a, is it an act of the will to say I'm going to believe God and I'm going to believe God and I'm going to I'm going to will it, or how does that work? Well, I think the, this is you know, I hope I'm not speaking in just out of ignorance, but <clears throat> if the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, and we know from the New Testament very clearly that He does, mm-hmm. for example, First Corinthians six nineteen. Um, I think 1 Corinthians 3.16 says the same thing. Uh, Romans 8 says that the Spirit dwells in us. Then it is the fruit of the Spirit is who the Spirit is. And the way in which those things become evident in us is, I think, what we call sanctification. Uh, In other words, Jesus and the Holy Spirit through with him or the spirit of Jesus, if you will, immediately begins to purify us. Mm. In justification, um, which is a nice long word, Mm. in justification, when God looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness. In sanctification, when the world looks at us, they see Christ. Mm -hmm. And the way they see him is the fruit of the spirit beginning to manifest and show itself. But I think that's his job. We cooperate with him, but I, I think he is purifying us so that the fruit of the Spirit becomes more and more obvious. In fact, I can give you <laughs> give you a personal example of it because he's continually having to work with us. I had uh, taught something one time 
And a guy came up to me and said, could I have your notes based on what you uh, said? said. Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. And um, then I didn't do it. <laughs> and a month later, I hadn't done it. And the Lord began to talk to me about that. Mm -hmm. and one of the ways the Lord gets my attention is he cuts off my income at work. <laughs> It's a loving discipline. The Lord. I, when that happens, I, I start to, I say, all right, Lord, what, mm. what have I not done or mm. what am I doing that I need to stop doing? Interesting. And in this case, his, com his statement to me was very direct. He said, you promised this person that you would provide your notes hmm. and you haven't done it. Now, here, here is the problem with that. One of the characteristics one of my, is that I'm faithful. Mm -hmm. You represent me. When you don't do what you say you're going to do, mm -hmm. you undermine who I am. Mm. <laughs> I said, okay, I will get into them. And, what know, a great example. Yeah, I've learned my lesson. Next time somebody comes up to me and says, can I have your notes? I'll say, no. <laughs> I can't afford it. But, but I think your story, whether it comes to business dealings or whether it's coming to you know, our personal dealings with people, you know, let's be people that are you know, walking in the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness, you know, staying true to our word, letting our yes be yes and our no be no. That's exactly the way I think we begin to, to display that because mm -hmm. that's what he is. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do that, we may find ourselves under some form of discipline so that we understand why we need to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is important for a Christian to keep his word. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's what he is. That's what, that's what does. he does. And we're undermining when we say we're Christians. Yeah. But let's say in a, just a particular example, we don't keep our word. Mm -hmm. We undermine who he is. Exactly right. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Jerry.